Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Every day as women, we are man-terrupted, mansplained to, talked over, not heard, not listened to, ignored. So men... Number one, listen. You're listening to Crazy Smart Asia, a podcast exploring the unexpected stories of Asia's disruptors. I'm your host, Tamara Lemunier. Cindy Gallup wants you to talk about sex. She believes that hardcore porn has prevented us from having healthy sexual relationships and that it's also propagated the status quo of male dominance and control in society. The former advertising executive describes herself as the Michael Bay of business because, and I quote, I like to blow shit up. But with Cindy, this is so much more than just a tagline. In the last 10 years, she's made a name for herself as the founder of Make Love Not Porn, a user-generated sex tape sharing platform, which sparked a social sexual revolution. It was also the subject of a TED Talk that's been viewed by millions. In other words, Cindy's made ethical porn possible. More recently, she's been a prominent voice in the hashtag MeToo movement, shining light on sexual harassment issues within the advertising industry. And despite her looking like the archetypal New Yorker, Cindy's actually born to a Malaysian Chinese mother and grew up in Brunei. This is an episode I enjoyed a lot, with Cindy being upfront, outspoken, but always full of insight. She's interviewed today by Liz Basilar, a partner of Gen T, as well as being the host of the Innovators podcast and chief innovation officer of the Together Group. They talk about smashing society's expectations and launching the world's first sex tech fund. Here's their conversation. Cindy, thank you so much for making time to join our podcast, Crazy Smart Asia, here in New York. I'm thrilled to be here, and I love the name of the podcast. <laughs> I loved it, too. With Tatler, with the Gen T community, they really try to come up with a name that captures the essence of their community. It's cheeky, and yeah, there's a lot of smart people, for sure, entrepreneurs and pushing boundaries and unafraid. They really wanted to hear from you because you had a very successful career as an advertising executive and climbed the corporate ladder all the way up to the top. And I wonder if you see any tangible changes in society today that makes it a bit easier for professional women to achieve their objectives. Do you know, Liz, I hate to say this, but no, I don't. You know, I used to think that I could help drive change within the system. And I basically now encourage women to drive change from outside the system. And this is where I take issue with Sheryl Sandberg, because Sheryl Sandberg wants us to lean in within the existing system, and I want us to redesign the system completely. And so corporate change is very, very slow um, coming for women, unfortunately. And the reason for that is because at the top of every industry and every company is a closed loop of men talking to men about other men. And those men are sitting very pretty. They have their huge salaries, 
gigantic bonuses, big pools of stock options, lavish expense accounts, why on earth would they ever want to rock the boat? Oh, oh, they have to talk diversity. They have to appoint chief diversity officers. They have to have diversity initiatives. They have to say the word diversity a lot, especially in public. Feels like check boxes. Secretly, deep down inside, they don't want to change a thing because the system is working just fine for them as it currently is. It's like the old joke about the light bulb. How many therapists does it take to change a light bulb? Only one, but the light bulb has to really want to change. <laughs> and in every industry, the light bulb does not really want to change. And so that is why I say to women all the time, start your own industry. And what I mean by that, incidentally, is I mean start your own business. But when we start our own businesses, where we design the way we work, the way we want to work, what we are doing is we are starting our own industry because we are starting the industry that all of those of us who are other want to work in. For those that are not familiar with Sheryl Sandberg, would you give some background on Linen? Sure. Um, Sheryl Sandberg is the CEO of Facebook. And she wrote this very popular book a few years ago called Lean In, which was all about encouraging women to lean into taking control and power in the workplace. But the very concept of Lean In is about embracing the existing system. And Sheryl Sandberg's book, A Lean In Movement, puts the onus on women to change And it's not we who need to change, it's a system that needs to change. And this point is especially well articulated by my friend, Thomas Hamoro Premuzik. He wrote an article in the Harvard Business Review, um, gosh, um, seven years ago now, which is the most read Harvard Business Review article of all time. The article was titled, Why Do So Many Incompetent Men Become Leaders? <laughs> And the point Thomas makes within this article is he says, you know, there is no doubt that there are a huge amount of barriers um, that, that face brilliant women. But a much bigger problem is the lack of barriers for incompetent men. And... This article was so popular, Tomas has now written a book with the same title. I recommend everybody listening to this podcast buy it. His book is called Why Do So Many Incompetent Men Become Leaders? And when you buy the book, you will see that I have blurbed it on the cover. And I say that this is the single most important book on leadership of our time. And it absolutely is. Because the issue is precisely what Tomas says. You know, There are so few obstacles for incompetent men to become leaders, while there are so many barriers for women. And so it's not we who need to change, it's the system that needs to change. And as I say, our best chance of changing the system is from the outside. I agree with you, but I'll, I'll try to push you on one aspect. That is one message from Lean In that I find it valuable. The um, fact that when we pick a partner, if we decide to marry, That is the most important career decision we might be making. Oh, Liz, I'm so glad you asked that question. <laughs> Because, and, and I know you know this, but I'm going to tell your audience. So I also violently object to that point. Oh, and, and by the way, you're right. At one level, Sheryl Sandberg is right. If you have a partner, it is enormously important that they support your career. And, He can hold you back a lot. You know, absolutely. But... You know, I urge women to consider a very different choice, which is a choice I made, because I am deliberately very public about the fact that I have never, ever wanted to be married. 
I have never ever wanted children. And by the way, I'm so happy. I always knew I didn't want them as opposed to finding out the hard way by having them. Um, and by the way, I love other people's children. I have three nieces, three nephews, four goddaughters, one godson. That does me just fine. I love when women think it through and make a decision yeah, around it, I, regardless of what it yeah, is. You know, I don't want a relationship. I'm not a naturally monogamous person. I date younger men, casually and recreationally. I adore being single. I cannot wait to die alone. And as I said, I'm deliberately very public about all of this because we don't have enough role models in our society for women and for men that demonstrate you can live your life very differently to the way society expects you to and still be amazingly happy. And I'm the happiest person I know. And so when I'm asked in interviews, as I regularly am, so Cindy, as a startup founder, you know, what is your best stress management tool? My response is not having a husband and children. (laughs) Cindy, well, here's the thing. So many women in Asia, I'm going to talk about Japan, Mm, which is a country mm, I know so mm, well, mm could relate to every word you're saying. I know I have Mm. many, many close friends Mm. that do not want to have partners Mm. and do not want to have kids today. And they they really focus on their career. Not that that's the path for all women, but it's the right path for them. Right now, it's important, again, to let your listeners know that my mother is Chinese. And so I know all about the familial pressure to find a partner, get married and have children. (laughs) And I know all about the extraordinary socio-cultural pressure on women to do that in Asia. Again, you know, I've spent a lot of my life working in Asia. To your point, I've spent a lot of time working in Japan. I worked as a consultant on retainer to Hakahodo, the Japanese ad agency, for several years. And the cultural pressures are way more emphatic in that part of the world. Women's value is judged erroneously on whether or not they're married, whether or not they have children. And women, especially in Japan, face enormous barriers when it comes to progressing in the workplace. And that is precisely why I urge women to start their own businesses and start their own industries. Because, first of all, it is only when women role model a successful career path outside of the obstacles the system places in front of them that other women feel inspired. It is also, incidentally, the way to break down those sociocultural barriers because I'm regularly asked again in interviews what my obviously very old-fashioned Chinese mother thinks about my startup, Make Love Not Porn. And my response to that is the day that my startup makes an absolutely colossal amount of money is the day my mother is just fine with it. (laughs) And and so when we start our own businesses and we prove that we can be successful, you'll be amazed how much those socio-cultural barriers crumble when we role model a different and very profitable way of living. I think my mom would agree as well. (laughs) One of the forces shaping our culture is advertising. And you're very active on Twitter. And one of the things that you often comment on is gender in advertising. And it seems like we move from one scandal to another in Asia around sexist. Sexist ads, then we have like the Peloton example. We, we have so many. Even Ikea, Audi got involved in that. How does this happen? And what needs for this to be changed? I say to brands that think they're targeting men, talk to women. Because women will influence men more than men will influence other men. And so it's very simple. You know, make the advertising industry gender equal as quickly as possible, especially, by the way, at the top. 
you know, one of the things I say to male leaders all the time is if you want to dramatically change the path of your business for the better, it's very simple. Hire into equal power with you a woman you feel threatened by. <laughs> so that's advertising. When you think about the Me Too movement and how women took a lot of what you're saying to their own hands, they use social media, they crafted their own messages, and they created their own narrative. Uh, I wonder, what do you think the progress around it is? It's almost in existence in Asia um, as a movement, the way we see it here in the U.S. But even in the U.S., I feel now that Harvey Weinstein has gone through the trials and it's not completely done yet because it's still California. I wonder if it's going to lose steam. So nearly two and a half years ago now, when the Harvey Weinstein expose broke in the New York Times, I had been speaking out about sexual harassment publicly for years, years before Me Too. And, and I spoke out about it publicly because nobody else would. And so I'd been hearing from women in my industry advertising about horrific harassment stories. And I tried to encourage them to tell their stories in the media, and they were too scared. So in October 2017, when the Harvey Weinstein story broke, I posted on Facebook And I said, women of the advertising industry, the time has finally come to name names. You know, the brave women who exposed Harvey Weinstein have shown us the way. Email me and I will connect you with empathetic journalists who can break these stories. And, you know, I, I posted that without a great deal of thought and an absolute avalanche hit my inbox. Wow. And it hit my inbox globally. You know, so people wrote to me, women and men, from within the ad industry, from every single corner of the world, including Asia. And honestly, um, I was just so goddamn depressed for the next few months whenever I woke up in the morning and, and looked at my inbox because I'd always known it was bad. I had never known it was that bad. And in fact, I was due to give a keynote at the 3% conference in November in the US. And at the last minute, I rewrote my talk to make the first half of it all about what showed up in my inbox. And in fact, I would urge your listeners to go to YouTube and search 3% Conference, Cindy Gallup, 2017, Where the Money Is, which is the title of my talk, which was going to be about something different until I talked about this. And the very depressing thing was that I stood on the 3% Conference stage a year later, and I said to the audience, I committed a year ago to get these stories told. And I'm here to tell you that I have spectacularly failed. And I failed because, and this is completely understandable, the women and men who wrote to me are terrified, and they are too terrified to speak up on the record and name names, because the powerful men doing the harassing are the gatekeepers of everything. They're the gatekeepers of jobs, pay raises, promotions, awards, career paths, so much so that what I heard time and time again was, Cindy, I'll never work again if I tell my story. And so I said to the audience a year later, and so I'm here to tell you I'm never giving up. Powerful men in our industry who think you've gotten away with it, you haven't. Powerful women in our industry who have enabled and covered up for those men, you have not gotten away with it either. And so I am still trying to get those stories told, and I'm still hearing from people, and I'm hearing from women in Asia. And you're absolutely right. Um, you know, the socio-cultural barriers are even more difficult in Asia in a very entrenched, sexist, patriarchal society and workplace. But at the same time, the women I speak to across Asia, they've had enough. You know, I visit Japan at least once a year, and women in Japan, which is one of the most sexist countries in Asia, they've had enough with their place in society. And so I am very confident 
that more and more of us are determined to change this, even in Asia, and I'm confident that we will. What do you think is next for the movement? What's the next milestone that we're going to observe? So it takes individual brave women to come forward. So Shiori Ito, who spoke up in Japan about her rape, and whom I was really lucky to meet. And in fact, I was enormously touched. I met her in Tokyo a couple of years ago at the inaugural Mashing Up Conference, which was Japan's first ever diversity conference. And I was excited to meet her. I was so touched to find that she was very excited to meet me. Um, and she is amazing. Her bravery and her courage is extraordinary. We need many more Shiori Itos in Asia, and I believe they will come forward. And when those brave women tell their stories, and when equally brave men stand up and support them, we will see this change. Because the names have to be named for people to understand how systemic and endemic this is, and how it's not about sex, it's about power. It's about the abuse of power by powerful men. And the more we get those stories told, the less that is able to happen. And there's so many men, they are really, really supportive. Uh, one thing that I love is when women-focused events, women-focused platforms involve male supporters, involve male speakers or attendees and open up because I like to mention that some of the worst things that have happened to me were by men, but some of the best things that happened to me also included some great men. So it's a conversation that should involve both sides. Gen T is launching a female event in Hong Kong at the end of the year to celebrate strong women And they have so many men supporting that. I love that, how both are coming together for that cause. Um, I think that's fantastic. I would just say that we need to see a lot more men not talking but doing. And the reason I say that, Liz, is because, you know, I mentioned earlier about the horrifying things that showed up in my inbox when I put my Me Too call out to the advertising industry. And when I spoke a couple weeks later about how horrified I was, about many things. One of the things I said I was really horrified about was the names because women wrote to me about men that I thought were good guys. Women wrote to me about men who have sat across from me, looked me in the eye and told me how much they support women. Women wrote to me about men that I thought were friends. Okay. What you say and what you do regrettably can be very different for men in every industry. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. And so there are a lot of men out there who are deliberately as the term goes, woke washing, talking a great game and totally not delivering against it in private. But there are equally many very good men out there who are not acting as they should. And so I regularly get asked by men, Cindy, you know, I really want to help. I want to be a male ally. What can I do to help? And I go, it's very simple. As a man, you just need to do two things. The first is listen to women because you don't, men. Every day as women, we are man-interrupted, mansplained to, talked over, not heard, not listened to, ignored. So men, number one, listen. Really stop, stop talking, stop man-interrupting, listen to women. And then number two, believe women. Because again, you don't. Believe us when we tell you what our lived experience is, because your lived experience is not our lived experience. And you would not believe how many men mansplain our own experiences back to us. Listen to us and believe us, and then everything you need to do to help us will fall out of those two. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Thanks. I had the pleasure to visit you at your home and your new home. So beautiful. Love the view. You mentioned a line to me that I loved about... Uh, I'm going to let you say I don't know if you remember. I'm going to give you a cue. You said about men since they were little... That they they are told that when things go wrong, look for a woman, and well, it's their teachers and their mothers and and all of that, and and suddenly that disappears. That wisdom disappears, right? There's always strong women in their life and their upbringing, but when it becomes about career, that notion gets lost. Gosh, obviously I say so many brilliant things. I can't remember that one. <laughs> Yes, you do. No, no, I do remember the point I made, um, Liz. And you're right, and it's a point I make all the time. Um, the, the point is that um, men need um, brilliant female role models as much as women do. Because you cannot be what you cannot see applies to men just as much as to women. And right now, for men, there is a huge paucity of brilliant female role models. When men do not have brilliant female leaders and female bosses role modeling for them a different way to be successful at work, they have no idea how to pursue that. And at the same time, that does not then drive the respect and appreciation for women that it would if they had many more brilliant women role modeling leadership to them. And so this is actually also why I explain to men that the moment we have gender equal working environments or again, ideally more female than male, me too magically disappears, okay? Because in a gender equal working environment, first of all, there is not that male dominated scenario that um, carries the implicit bro endorsement of it's okay to behave like that. And secondly, in a gender equal working environment where men therefore are surrounded by an interact every minute and every day with brilliant women on a professional basis when they're exposed to fantastic female intelligence, insights, business acumen, they cease to see women in one of only two roles, girlfriend or secretary. Yeah, no, that is true. That's true. So you take all that strength and all that desire to, to fight, to succeed and to, to be a mind of your own to then transition from CEO to entrepreneur. Was there a moment of epiphany usually when startups mention their genesis they there's always the description of an aha moment was there an aha moment for make love not porn um no not at all because everything in my life and career has happened by accident and make love not porn is no different uh, my startup is a total accident it came out of my direct personal experience dating younger men and realizing 12 13 years ago now 
through dating younger men that I was encountering what happens when today's total freedom of access to porn online meets our society's equally total reluctance to talk openly and honestly about sex. It's the convergence of those two factors that means that porn becomes sex education by default in not a good way. So I found myself encountering a number of sexual behavioral memes in bed. I went, whoa, I know where that behavior is coming from. I thought, gosh, if I'm experiencing this, other people must be as well. I didn't know that because 12, 13 years ago, nobody was talking about this. No one's writing about it. This was me in isolation as a naturally action-oriented person going, I want to do something about this. So 11 years ago now, I put up on No Money a tiny clunky website at makelovenotporn.com that in its original iteration was just words. It was porn world versus real world. I had the opportunity to launch it at the TED conference in 2009. So I am launching at TED today. I am unveiling makelovenotporn.com. This is a website that posts the myths of hardcore porn and balances them with the reality. And it's important to say, by the way, that this is absolutely not about judgment. This is not about good and bad. Sex is the area of human experience that embraces the vastest possible range of proclivities. This is also not anti-porn. I'm a fan of hardcore porn. I watch it regularly myself. So how do you feel about the dating apps? Because of the challenges I've faced raising funding for Make Love Not Porn, um, I am now also engaged in raising funding for the world's first and only sex tech fund. Because I want to bring applications of sex tech to areas of exponential growth in tech where sex has historically been banned or excluded. And where therefore that has had a very unhealthy impact. So when it comes to dating, apps like Tinder and Grindr refuse to admit that people use them to meet and have sex. They avoid any mention of hookup culture in interviews. And the problem, when you refuse to acknowledge that sex is a fundamental part of dating and relationships, is that that is why, as a straight woman, we are greeted with like an absolute shower of dick pics. Okay? So I've had in the pipeline for years the Make Love Not Porn dating app. The Make Love Not Porn dating app matches people based on social and sexual values. And note, I don't say sexual tastes. I say sexual values of the kind that I listed earlier. And incidentally, a man wrote to us a few months ago. He was a new Make Love Not Porn member. He said, oh, my God, I love your platform. I love your videos. Then he said, please, 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 will you start a dating website? Because I just know that everybody on your dating website would be a stellar person. Talk about brand endorsement. And so there's huge opportunity for brand expansion with Make Love Not Porn um, through bringing the social sex revolution to so many other areas. What is the scale of Make Love Not Porn today? And where do you want to go? The one thing I didn't realize when I embarked on this venture was that I would fight an enormous battle every single day to build it. Every piece of business infrastructure any other tech startup just takes for granted, we can't, the small print always says, no adult content. This pervades everything. Separate to the fact I can't get funded, I have trouble getting banked, putting payments in place, PayPal won't work with adult content, Stripe can't, every tech service I need to use, hosting, encoding, encrypting, the terms of service always say no adult content. So it's a huge tribute to Make Love Not Porn's traction that we're still here, seven years on, in a world where 70% of all startups fail within the first five years. We've had to grow completely organically. We haven't had the funding to do, you know, paid for promotion and marketing. 
But in our seven-year life cycle, over 500,000 people have signed up globally. We have had over 250 Make Love Not Porn stars contribute over 2,500 videos. We began taking in revenue on day one. Our monthly revenue is not that high because of the payment processing obstacles. But the point is that in a world where the received wisdom is nobody pays for porn, our members are paying for social sex. They see the value of what we do. We've taken in nearly $2 million in income since we launched. And every day, our membership writes to us and tells us how we've changed their lives. And so I am looking for the right kind of investors. My biggest obstacle raising funding is the social dynamic that I call fear of what other people will think which operates around sex, unlike any other area. I'm especially interested in finding those investors in Asia. I believe that in my home region are the people who will absolutely get it. Young people write to us all the time from China, India, Japan, Indonesia, saying, please launch a local version of Make Love Not Porn. And so I'm looking for investors to be able to launch localized translated versions because boy, oh boy, does Asia ever need us. So what do you ultimately want to be known for? I want to be known as the woman who changed the way the world has sex for the better. And that's what I'm working to do with Make Love Not Porn. Oh gosh, Cindy, I really, really hope you, you get there. I wish you all the luck for it together because we need it. Thank you so much, Liz. <laughs> Thank you so much for being part of our show. It's a pleasure. That's it for today's episode. If you enjoyed this, do subscribe on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this on. And don't forget to follow Generation T on at Generation T underscore Asia for Instagram and on Facebook. I'm your host, Tamara Lemunier. See you next time. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.